We know there are times where you're just too busy to sort through the mass of information that comes your way. So to make it easier for you to stay informed, subscribe to The Morning Agenda, WITF's news podcast, where the only agenda is you. Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like its Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC Heart and Vascular Institute, where you get access to the most advanced treatment options, including a range of clinical trials. Learn more at upmc.com slash centralpaheart. In Adams, Cumberland, Franklin, and York counties, also known as the South Mountain region, there's been progress in preserving farmland and even non-farmland, but almost half of the streams in the region are impaired, and there are more extreme rainy days. Those are a few of the findings of the first-ever state-of-the-region report card conducted by the conservation organization South Mountain Partnership. On The Spark Today, we learn more about the health of the region and its people from Katie Hess, director of the South Mountain Partnership and the Pennsylvania Landscape Conservation, and Julia Chain, program manager of South Mountain Partnership. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It is an honor to be here, and we are so happy. (laughs) Well, thank you. And thank you for your work on this, because it really can tell us and tell government a lot about what's going on in the regions, and you cover so many areas. But I want to talk a little bit about the, the process, first of all. Tell us about the South Mountain Partnership. The South Mountain Partnership is a what we call a conservation network. And so we pride ourselves in providing the infrastructure to bring local groups and people together around conservation. And it could be conservation of agriculture, um, historic resources, and natural and recreation. So like those parks and trails as well. And so it's a broad, diverse group of folks. Yeah, when I first looked at the report card, and I saw history, and I saw public health mentioned. That's not something that a lot of people associate with conservation, but it's also very important. And, you know, it was good to see that uh, the region was graded in those areas as well. So how did this report card come about? Well, we went through, um, like many organizations, a very robust strategic planning process. And what came out of that is because we have so many of these diverse partners, we needed a way to work together at a regional scale in which they would all find themselves represented. So we needed to provide a project that everyone could get behind. We had to incorporate that history, that ag, uh, those natural resources, and the outdoor recreation folks as well. And so we also knew we needed to shift our work to work regionally. And We saw out of Berks County that they did a state of the environment for their county. And we started discussing, could we pull this off at a regional level? And we decided, yes, we could. And that that was the way to galvanize folks and move forward. So how did you go about it? Oh, my. We work together. Everything that we do, our process always uh, incorporates local folks and organizations. And so we work really heavily with our local planning agencies in each county. They sort of um, 
you know, kind of helped us to set the framework of putting together something that would serve South Mountain Partnership, but also them, because so much of conservation activity really rests in what we do with our land and how we plan our future. And so they needed, we needed their expertise. And so we involved them heavily. And we just took each step, developed that scope of work together, that vision, what we wanted to do with it in the future, and said we will be successful if it looks like this. And I want to ask both of you this question, but uh, were there any results that surprised you? Julie, I'll start with you. Any results of this? And by the way, there were three different grades, thumbs up, thumbs to the side, and thumbs down. And we'll talk about those three different grades. So it wasn't an A, B, C, D, F kind of thing, like a school report card. But Julia, any uh, results that su- surprised you? Absolutely. When we were uh, working together as a committee, we didn't want to give anybody flashbacks to their uh, high school uh, <laughs> you know, report card. So um, that's how we uh, kind of determined the thumbs methodology. But I think that what's exciting is that we can see a really range of uh, progress and opportunity here in the report card. I think it's really invigorating as a network to say there's things that we can work together on. Some of these metrics we hope to make changes on by the next time we do this project. Other metrics are large-scale, challenging things that will take many, many years to see a real impact on. But I think the scale that we work at is really intriguing because, as Katie mentioned, we have this wonderful committee, steering committee, comprised mainly of our local county planners. But we had an opportunity through this report card to zoom out a couple different times and talk with not just our committee structure, which includes about 40 individuals on a kind of working basis daily, but we also pulled out to the scale of our meetings and region social media and our newsletter to get feedback on these metrics and to find out which metrics people really cared about. So Real people, as real, we call them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what about you, Katie? Was there anything that surprised you in this? Yeah. Um, I was shocked by how much we don't know and how much we don't have the data that we need to be able to like express if something is going well or not. And so that's sort of what forms like this uh, needs more attention mm-hmm. panel. That's in, the sideway thumb. Yeah. And a lot of things ended up there because we just simply either don't have the data available to us or it's not in a format that we can really understand yet. So that's something that, you know, we're going to kind of tease out and hopefully invest some of our and, and highlight so that other people might help us come up with a solution for that. So we're going to talk about uh, what you don't know in just a moment, but let's talk about some of the results, some of the grades. Uh, you know, I hate to go to the lower grades, the thumbs down first, but the way you describe it is these are areas that need more work. So that's what a lot of your focus will be on or your your partner's focus. So forested land has been lost in the four counties. What happened to it? Hmm. <laughs> a variety of things could have happened to it. Um, in this region, we're under heavy development pressure, and so it could Especially be... Especially Cumberland County. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the fastest growing county in mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, or one of the top um, over the last five to ten years. So... There's parcelization happening where, you know, each property is getting smaller and smaller um, as, 
you know, pieces of it are sold off. And usually when that happens, at least a portion of that parcel is developed in some way, either converted into a lawn or a, or a structure or a home. Other times, you know, we're seeing like broad clearance of land, sometimes for things like uh, utility scale solar development. So there's, you know, a variety of things taking place. But um, yeah. Yeah, I just want to underscore how important the forest is to both our identity as the South Mountain. Uh, our spine of our region really is the Michaux State Forest. And um, spending time in the forest is great for our mental health. It's, it serves as one of the main recreation opportunities in our region. But the forest also serves a lot of environmental and ecological benefits by creating an opportunity for uh, migrations and also just really uh, an opportunity to clean air, create clean water. M- much of our water or originates, excuse me, in um, the Michaux. So really protecting the forest that can't be, you know, underestimated. Yeah. And the properties next to the forest. You know, everyone wants to live or vacation next to the forest. And so we see a lot of pressure in that boundary area. And so it's not just about preserving the forest. It's about like what is happening right up next to yeah. the forest and what is happening in the valleys next to the mountains. All of it works together, and that's why we work at the landscape scale. Love that description. The spine, the Misho is the spine of the South Mountain uh, region. All right, so you brought up, Julia, uh, the water aspect, and that was another area on the report card that almost half the streams in the area are impaired. Wow. Yeah, you know, that's a really um, a really interesting metric. And I think that this is a place where we see a lot of partners having interest in clean water. We can come at clean water from a lot of different directions. Certainly for our drinking water, it's, it's very important. And then also for stream health. So we've got our recreational fisher uh, men and women who are very interested in the quality of our water. And then, um, you know, interesting options for the agricultural runoff, also potentially causing uh, some of the degradation of our streams that we're seeing. So we know that the water starts in the South Mountain, and we want to keep it clean. And I think we see a lot of on-the-ground work uh, happening here already by our partners to try to monitor and improve stream health. One of the ways to do that is buffers along those streams. Riparian buffers have not increased. This is a grade, an area that was graded as uh, a down thumb. So those buffers have not increased. Now, that's something that we people can have a great impact on because we just need to do it. Right. And we were, I, I guess that I was, in, I was shocked by that as well because there's a lot of time and money going into establishing buffers. And a lot of our partners are involved in that work and doing amazing work there. But at the same rate, apparently, buffers are disappearing. They're being um, mowed or converted or channelized, like the stream is being channelized, for instance. And so, um, yeah, we have a lot of work to do there to not, uh, it's not enough to just stabilize. We need to increase that number. And to also piggyback, um, I'm a new mom, and so oh, I want. Thank you, and I want future generations, mm-hmm. probably just like everyone else, to be able to play in water, to mm-hmm. go out to a stream, play in the water without fear of getting sick, mm-hmm. um, or getting itchy, or or things like that. And people with pets, the same, you know, a lot of pets are um, affected by this. So 
a lot of this work is about future generations. It's not just about us. We are just the beginning point, and this is going to take decades of work, and, and we know that. And I just want to share what a good buffer might look like just for, for those listening. Uh, what we're talking about when we're talking about a riparian buffer is the stream that you might see not seeing grass coming right up to the to the edge of the stream or no a, erosion a, no erosion a muddy stream bank all of those things we're looking to avoid in order to create less runoff and um, higher quality banks and streams so that could look like native plants trees and uh, most importantly not having our animals kind of eroding the stream bank so and it can be money making endeavors as well uh, DCNR has the, the Department for Conservation and Natural Resources has a program for um, sort of like foraging trees, like nut and fruit trees that are loving the riparian area. And so there's even an economic incentive at times for this as well. You know, I, I want to circle back for just a moment, Katie. We mentioned the loss of forest land, but what can be done about that? Mm-hmm. Well, we are lucky in the region that uh, we have Michaux State Forest, and so that forested it's a state land forest, yeah. is is managed appropriately for that landscape. And so we might see ebb and flow in which areas are forested based on the restoration efforts, the appropriate restoration efforts that that local district forester is taking. Um, but outside of that most of our forested land is in private hands. So it is up to us as residents of the region to, you know, understand which, you know, many people take pride in how they are managing their land and they manage their forests to the best of their abilities. But I think there's more that we can do. There's more engagement. I think, you know, there have been a lot of programs um, presented by various organizations and state agencies. Uh, but sometimes they're cumbersome for someone who owns, let's say, like 40 or 90 acres to engage in. You might have to wait a long time. So, you know, in addition to the resources already available, we need more and we need more incentives and we need a stronger stewardship identity. Mm -hmm. And it's so nice to be talking about this because I think when we say forest, we think of thousands of acres, right, right? Right. The woods behind your house are equally important to creating that collective benefit. So it can be at a variety of scales. Mm. So Julia, I want to talk about another grade here, and this was a thumbs down. Orchard acreage. Acreage mm -hmm. land for our, yeah, land for where orchards are actually decreased. Now, this is not something that is talked about a lot, except by the those who uh, farm peaches, apples, and obviously in South Mountain region, you have a, a lot of orchards. But talk about that. I mean, you actually lost some orchard land? Yeah, I think we can't uh, say enough how critical the orchard uh, agricultural industry is for the South Mountain. I think we draw a lot of our identity from it as a group. Mm -hmm. And then we also um, see ourselves coming out as a producer 
and a regional leader in cider in apples. An innovator. An innovator, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that um, we'll hopefully, if, if we can work together to do this, people will associate our region with the highest quality hard cider. I think uh, they do that already. Yeah, I don't know Adams about hard County. cider. Yeah. But, but apples and good peaches, but the hard cider, cider is kind, kind of, of a growing yes. industry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I think that we really wanted in this report to make sure that we uh, paid homage to how important that was and to note that this decrease uh, can't continue mm-hmm. because we want to be able to continue to support the local farmers that are creating this industry and keeping it local. And something that I had to learn, um, I, I've been adjacent to farming families but not part of one myself, is that there's a, a, a carrying capacity needed. There is a, a you need so many farms or a certain number of farms to sustain an equipment uh, distributor or a mechanic. And if you drop below a certain number of farms or farm acreage, those businesses can't stay open. And it causes this really bad cyclical cycle to start taking place where it becomes harder and harder for that farmer to make it. And so we want to yeah, keep track of those farming and that specialized agricultural farming number as well. Because like Julia said, you know, that's a really unique thing that we have going on and when you have a unique identity to you and your place that is leverage in the future you're not like everyone else and that means you can attract people and um, really make your future better with it Okay, you can attract people, but then there's pressure on your forest land. So <laughs> yeah. a lot of these things are, exactly. are, are, are interrelated. And it needs to be all done on purpose. <laughs> We're all about balance. Yes. <laughs> so here, I'm going to combine two here. Uh, one was a thumbs down. That was you know, uh, being able to walk to a trail or a park. But then a thumbs up is within 10 minutes of driving. Yeah to a trail or a park. Yeah. And that's reflective of our automobile-centric way of living, right? right? And we're trying to get away from that because, you know, not only us in South Mountain Partnership, but our society understands that we need more opportunities to walk and move our bodies and recreate and see other people and socialize. And walking to your local park can be a provider of all of those things. So we're really excited about that. And something that. that we're trying to weave in through each of these recommendations and how we take action on them is accessibility. So we understand that creating the most accessible opportunity to interact with nature is is really critical. And I think this is a, a, just a good opportunity to highlight the work that the Department for uh, Natural Resources and Conservation has done here because they've um, done a lot of this research to identify where we can grow in terms of accessibility. And they also really support our program. Our conservation landscape is one of eight in Pennsylvania and was selected by DCNR for being such a unique location. So we're really excited to be part of the conservation landscape team well, one of the things that I'll say is, and I'm sure you're well aware of it, is since the pandemic, many more people are going outdoors and have been going outdoors. So let's talk about, uh, in the in the two minutes or so we have left, talking about uh, some of the good grades. Uh, preserve farmland, more acreage preserved, and non-farmland preserved. Mm-hmm. Julie, what about those two? 
I think these uh, statistics are show the work of our local partners in our county and uh, in state farmland preservation programs. We're seeing a lot of really great uh, progress, and um, this is not only happening on the local level, but on a farmer to farmer basis. That we're seeing these programs spread through neighborhoods, and uh, and folks are telling each other about them, which is really cool to see. Mm. And then we've also got some really great partners who are working on conservation easements. Uh, across the region, which doesn't necessarily uh, mean that the land can't be used, but it is going to stay in uh, in a zone where we know it can contribute to these benefits of open space mm-hmm. in perpetuity. So it's it's a nice combination for both of those um, outcomes. And again, we've got uh, land trusts and and county county programs that are really pushing this forward, as well as NRCS, uh, the USDA, etc. Katie, what about public health? I mean, there are so many areas here. Mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to touch on public health. Well, I think we we did, in a variety of ways, uh, already touch on it with outdoor recreation opportunities, clean water, uh, heat days, the the extreme heat days Not are rising. Not a whole rising. lot we can do about that in South Mountain specifically, but as part of the larger right. climate change we mitigation. We know that ev- if every region were to take a little bit of action, we would all be better off. So we want to focus on that. And that kind of shifts us into, you know, what is next for us? And so we have a report, a final report that sets out recommendations for taking on the challenges that were revealed in this project. And South Mountain Partnership is taking on a handful of these over the next five to 10 years, but there are over 65 recommendations. And so we invite any individual or group who is interested in uh, being part of implementing or exploring the implementation of other recommendations to join us. We have an upcoming uh, winter meeting in Gettysburg, and we have um, community meetings all the time. I want to thank both of you for being with us today, Katie Hess and uh, also Julia Chain with South Mountain Partnership. Thank you very much for your work here and for being with us today. Thank you. Go explore South Mountain. (laughs) (laughs) SouthMountainPartnership.org.